This episode is brought to you by the Italian Wine Academy, teaching WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English, right here in Verona, the home of the Italian Wine Podcast. Want to become part of the international wine sector? Need a worldwide recognized certification? Don't know where to start? You can easily complete our courses while you enjoy the fun and excitement of Verona. Make your vacation good value for money by adding a wine certificate to your souvenirs. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education. Welcome to Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps. We have specially created this free content for all our listeners who are studying for wine exams. This has been a journey of development since Stevie Kim discovered Rosie Baker's hand-drawn maps on Instagram through two years of work by our in-house editorial and graphics team, and now the maps are available to purchase in beta form while they undergo the final proofing and editing by our expert advisory board. It's a three-layered project because we know everyone learns differently. We now offer the complete box set of 39 maps, this series of podcasts with the maps narrated by our crack team of wine educators, and finally, the study guide book, which will be published later this year. Our map project is in no way a substitute for the material set out by other educational organizations, but we hope all the wine students out there will find our map project a new, exciting, and useful tool for learning. For more information and to buy the maps, please visit our website at mamajumboshrimp.com. Welcome to the Jumbo Shrimp Wine Study Maps podcast. In this episode, we will be looking at the Central Italy map. For most people, the word Italy conjures up visions of the most famous parts of Central Italy, the cities of Rome and Florence, the Tower of Pisa, the rolling gray-green hills of Tuscany and Umbria lined with rows of tall, skinny Italian cypress, and cafe tables covered with carafes of local wine. So let's explore. Emilia Romagna starts south of the Po River plains of Emilia where Lambrusco grapes, from ancient vines possibly descended from wild species, are used to make fizzy to fully sparkling wine, dry to sweet, pale yellow to darkest purple, while one American company's marketing of high-volume, low-quality wine once ruined their reputation, smaller producers today are bringing back the beauty and elegance of Lambrusco. These are wines considered by many to be the perfect partner for a platter full of Italian salami. Moving south into the quickly rising foothills of the Apennine Range, Sangiovese begins our story of central Italy. The main red grape, and usually well-made from the Romagna DOC, it is the most planted grape in Italy and makes the wine that most people associate with Italy, Chianti. Tuscany shares the Apennines with Emilia-Romagna to the north and east, where some of its peaks top 3,000 meters, and running along the Mediterranean coast to the west, most of Italy is hilly to mountainous, with a warm Mediterranean climate mild winters, hot, dry summers, with long, sunny days, and just enough rain in the winter and spring. The larger Chianti region that we know today between Florence and Siena started much smaller in the hills around the villages of Rada and Gaiole and Greve. The League of Chianti had already been established in the 14th century, mostly as a protective measure for those small towns, and by the 15th century, its wines were gaining fame in the rural courts of Europe. To establish and protect the wine's reputation and brand, the Duke of Tuscany demarcated the four best wine areas of Tuscany, Chianti first among them. For the first time in history, a wine was defined by place and name, and the wineries therein agreed not to adulterate or dilute their product, 
to maintain high quality and the prices they commanded. Wine and vine research by the Baron Riccasoli in the 1800s led to the first Chianti recipe in 1872. 70% Sangiovese, 20% Caniolo, and 10% White Malvasia. This blend has barely changed since, but at least has been modernized. And so we use this Chianti name for wines from the region made mostly from Sangiovese. But there's Chianti, and then there's Chianti. The Chianti region is a large area in the center of Tuscany, with seven recognized subzones, including Rufina in the north, and Coli Senese, for example, in the south, around the town of Siena. These subzones highlight the areas around towns known for good quality. They're all part of the Chianti DOCG. It requires 70% Sangiovese and allows a blend of traditional approved grapes that make up the recipe, although white grapes are no longer required. The Chianti Classico region is the original area, smaller than the larger Chianti, higher in altitude, and now a completely separate DOCG with stricter rules. 80% Sangiovese, longer aging of at least 12 months, and since 2006, no white grapes allowed in the blend, as they surprisingly still are in Chianti DOCG, although that is much less common today. And as we look at the Chianti Classico pyramid on our map, we see above Chianti Classico is Reserva, which requires 24 months of aging, including three months in the bottle, so a winemaker would want to use riper fruit that can withstand the aging process. The Grand Reserva level requires 30 months of aging, also three months in the bottle, but it must be a state-grown fruit by the winery, which helps keep production low, and it must be at least 90% Sangiovese. The alcohol minimums for Grand Reserva are at 13%, versus 12.5 for Reserva and 12 for Chianti Classico. Gran Selezione was a new category approved in 2014, starting with the 2010 vintage, as a way of elevating the potential for Chianti Classico. It remains to be seen what the long-term reaction and embrace of this new wine will be by the consuming public. One thing to note about DOCG rules for Chianti and the Chianti Classicos, the aging requirements do not specify oak, so inexpensive wines are not going to see the same quality barrel treatment as more serious and costly wines. South of Chianti are Montalcino and Montepulciano, a hill and valley area lower in altitude than Chianti with a warmer climate. But cooling maritime breezes are funneled in from the western coast, and the result is two DOCs that produce intense, full-bodied wines from Sangiovese. Brunello was first identified as a special clone. There are now over 100 recognized of Sangiovese, and it was bottled separately in the 1800s. One of the first DOCGs recognized in 1980, and it is required to be 100% this Brunello grape. It must be aged five years, with two of those years being in oak barrels. The Reserva ages even longer. Many people consider Brunello to be the apex expression of Sangiovese, although honestly, most of it is expensive and destined for export markets. Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. The wines are certainly not homogenous. Vineyards surround the hill, top with the medieval town of Montalcino, some rising to 600 meters above sea level. The soils are quite varied as well, depending on which side of the hill and how far from it. Of course, winemaker decisions on type and size of oak and vinification techniques are the final piece of the puzzle, 
but the government is vigilant in enforcing the laws of production and maintaining the purity and reputation of one of Italy's most recognized wines. Just east is the venerated Vino Nobile di Montepulciano, a more ancient wine town, famous for its wines for centuries, that is now maybe overshadowed by some of the newer Tuscan bottlings. With sandy soils and warm Mediterranean breezes, Vino Nobile is not always the blockbuster like Brunello. In this case, it's a blend like Chianti, with 70% minimum of the local Sangiovese clone called Cragnolo Gentile, but longer aging requirements of two years, with at least one of those in wood barrels. This creates a bigger, richer style, but that is still retaining more of the elegance of Sangiovese. For both of these DOCGs, they can declassify their wine down to Rosso di Montalcino or Rosso di Montepulciano, respectively. These are for wines from younger vines or in poor vintages, and some of these from conscientious producers can be great values. This declassification is not possible in many Tuscan VOCGs, like Chianti Classico. For wines that could be considered even bigger, we go to the western Tuscany coast, around the town of Bulgari and the area of Marema. A relatively new wine region, as Italy goes, modern soil analyses of the gravels and clays and the sunnier and warmer region than Chianti made French grapes the choice in this area. Many of these already existed as experimental plots in much of Tuscany for well over 100 years. But these wines didn't have a DOC or DOCG, so these prestigious blends, winning international claim and awards, were labeled as Tuscan table wines, but called Super Tuscans. Even after creation of the IGT category in 1992, many of them still stay true to their original character. This went a long way towards reclaiming reputation for Italian wine excellence in the world at a time when quality was not very high or possibly just hit or miss. Now, these DOCs from Bulgari and Marema allow wine from these non-Italian grapes. In fact, the Bulgari Rosso DOC even limits the use of Sangiovese to 50% of the blend. If we are talking about big wines, let's go to Umbria for the most tannic red grape there is, Sagrantino. The DOC created in 1977 was for a sweet pasito wine, which at the time was the only way known to tame its tannins. Modern winemaking and vineyard management have more recently made dry wines drinkable, and now Sagrantino di Montefalco is becoming quite famous as an expression of wild mountainous Umbria. Dark berries, tar, tobacco, dried cocoa, balsamic notes, and those tannins that grip your tongue and teeth. A perfect wine for the Umbrian session with all things pork. These hills and forests of Umbria are in a more continental climate. It's landlocked, and only the edges receive coastal winds. The western cliff-top town of Orvieto has long been famous for white wines made from local Grecchetto and Trebbiano grapes. The Trebbiano adds the acidity, the Grecchetto brings the floral apple and pear flavors. While blends that include more Grecchetto are usually better, the DOC allows either as the main grape and for other local white varietals in the blend, so you can find a wide range of quality and flavor. Buyer beware with Orvieto. East, over the mountains in Marche, we start to feel again the coastal influence of the Adriatic Sea. The white grape Verdicchio is what has become to define the best of Marche and is now being recognized as one of Italy's best white grapes. Although it's not originally from Marche, recent DNA analysis have shown that Verdicchio is actually the same grape as Trebbiano di Suave in Veneto and was probably brought there from the 14th or 15th century. So it has been established for a while. It is an adaptable grape to many soils and climates. But in the sweet hills, the dolce colline, if you will, it ripens slowly and evenly, always retaining its naturally high acidity. 
Flavors and aromas of apple, citrus, even notes of almond and fennel are typical, especially that green note. Whether it be from fruit or herb, it's very common. Even the grape name itself comes from verde, Italian for green. The DOC and DOCG of Castella di Yesi, along the coast, is the Verdicchio experience most people have, starting with young, fresh, racy wines, perfect for the local seafood. But Verdicchio can easily age and develop additional notes of honey and almond marzipan. A 7-10-year-old Reserva, which is the DOCG, can have the complexity of any great red. Sangiovese still thrives in this warm Mediterranean climate, with rolling the steep foothills that come right down to the coast. But another red grape becomes a star, Montepulciano. Remember, this has no relation to the town of Montepulciano in Tuscany. The grape has more color and more tannins than Sangiovese, but with less natural acidity, and the two wines are often blended to get the best of both. The fruit flavors are most often of red and black plums, and particularly dark cherries, but the style of the wine depends on the winemaking. No oak aging and fresh vintages make wines that are simple and fruity, plump and generous in the glass, which is why Montepulciano is the fifth most planted in Italy. But maturing in oak and reducing yields can give wines of deeper flavor, firmer structure, not often complex, but always a wine that seems to define the taste of ripe red cherries in the glass. The better wines can be found in blends like Conero DOCG, which is a Reserva of two years, with 85% Montepulciano and 15% Sangiovese. Moving south into Abruzzo, however, is getting to the home of Montepulciano. Every Rosso DOC has Montepulciano as the main grape. The hills and mountains of Abruzzo get a little more rugged and remote. Only 1% of the whole region is considered flat terrain. Montepulciano needs these hilly sites to thrive. It ripens slowly and late and needs plenty of water to fully mature. The DOC for D'Abruzzo covers most of the region, and two new DOCGs seek to highlight the best microclimates for the grape. Montepulciano even makes great rosado wines. The Cerosuolo d'Abruzzo is famous as a full-bodied, fruity, and often tannic dry rosé. We will end our tour of central Italy, where all roads lead, Rome. The surrounding region of Lazio has long supplied the Eternal City with vast amounts of easy-drinking whites and soft reds, but there are important wines to know. The region is warm, usually sunny, with rolling hills between the sea and the interior mountains, and multiple lakes and rivers that create ideal growing conditions, especially for white grapes. The most common wine to find in Roman cafes and wine bars is Frascati, a white wine DOC with a DOCG for superior level, superiore level, made mainly from the Malvasia di Candia and or Malvasia del Lazio grapes. Actually not related, but both giving orange blossom, floral notes, and citrus flavors. The wines blended with Trebbiano and some other local grapes. The wines are usually unoaked, medium of body and acidity, and lovely to sip in a piazza with simply Italian cuisine. The wines are usually unoaked, medium of body and acidity, and lovely to sip on when in a piazza with simple Italian cuisine. Thus, we end our circle of central Italy. Arrivederci. Thanks for listening to this episode of Italian Wine Podcast, brought to you by Italian Wine Academy, offering WSET levels 1, 2, and 3 in English. Visit our website at italianwineacademy.org for more information and sign up today to start your personal adventure in global wine education right here in the heart of Verona. Remember to subscribe and like Italian Wine Podcast and catch us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever you get your pods. You can also find our entire back catalog of episodes at italianwinepodcast.com. Ching ching!
guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.